Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. You like this podcast, don't you? And you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself. Let me tell you how easy it is to do this with Anchor. First off, the money's right. It's free. Zero cost. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. Bonus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Authorities in Kern County, California, say amateur radio was responsible for the rescue of five adult hikers who became lost. The group had left Pine Mountain Club on the morning of Saturday, March the 22nd, hiking to a vehicle parked near Highway 166. In the hiking party was Cliff and his wife, Judith. According to reports, Cliff fell and struck his head. While not seriously injured, he was in pain. At that point, the group decided to return home, but then realized they were lost and outside of cell phone range. Using his radio, Cliff was able to reach Bill Hopper via the Pine Mountain Repeater. The injured ham reported the hiking party situation, and another member of the party was able to pass along the group's location, and Hopper dialed 911. The Kern County Sheriff's Department dispatched a helicopter, which was able to locate the hiking party, but the nearest landing site was too far away. A sheriff's deputy drove into the canyon near the spot where the hikers were stranded, and they were able to walk out to his patrol car. Hey gang, I'm your host Tracy and welcome in. I have a question for you. If two is one and one is none, what is your backup to your phone? Ham radio might be a very good and cheap option. Two is one and one is none. Anyone who has been out hiking much has heard that saying and it simply means this. You should have a backup for your gear while hiking, camping, hunting, kayaking, etc. So I will ask you again. If you depend on your phone for communication while hiking, what is your backup? 
what option do you have if you drop cell coverage? If you haven't considered getting your ham radio license, then you should. It is cheap and easy to do. Let's start out with answering what ham radio is and maybe what ham radio isn't. First off, ham radio is not CB radio and it is not walkie-talkie type communication. CB or uh, citizens band radio has very little to no oversight and it doesn't require licensing. CB radio is often associated with uh, over-the-road truck drivers and in my limited experience, and I do have limited experience in CB communication, it can be very rude and vulgar means of communication, especially if communicating on a popular channel, uh, say traveling down the interstate. Ham radio, on the other hand, uh, more properly referred to as amateur radio, has testing requirements. CB does not. Anyone can go out and buy a CB radio, get it operating, and communicate. For ham radio, that is not the case. You have to pass a test, and we'll talk about that test later on. Ham radio has identification requirements, meaning any time that I operate on ham frequency, I have to give my call sign. That call sign is registered with the FCC, and I am required by law to announce that call sign once every 10 minutes. With CB radio and these walkie-talkies that you buy at sporting clubs or sporting uh, box stores, you do not have to do that. With CBs, you have a handle. Well, that handle can be anything. If I call myself a checkmate, then there is no database that has checkmate who I am, where I live. No one knows who checkmate is. I can operate and communicate. I can say anything on CB radio and no one knows who I am. Fellow hands also do a pretty good job of policing the bands if we ever do have anyone that is causing problems. They have the ability to contact the FCC and file a complaint. So how do we get started? Before you can get on the air, you need to be licensed and know the rules to operate legally. U.S. licenses are good for 10 years before you have to renew. You must take and pass a test typically conducted by the local uh, ham radio clubs. And these clubs are located all over the U.S., so you shouldn't have too much of a problem locating a testing date and site. Licenses are tiered, with the first level being a technician level, followed by general level and an extra level. I'm currently at the general level, and as of right now, I have no plan to move on up to the extra. The exam currently is a 35-question test, and to my knowledge, it will run you about 15 bucks. It runs $15 here, and I think that's somewhat standard across the, the U.S., although um, be sure and check with the club that you're taking the test from and they'll fill you in. Questions are selected from a pool of questions that are updated from time to time. So make sure if you're studying the questions, you have uh, the latest pool to, to study from. Once you pass the exam, you will be assigned a call sign, typically within just a couple weeks of passing and maybe even sooner. If you have your call sign, you're ready to go. You just need a radio. Which brings us to one of the most asked questions for those getting into amateur radio. What radio should I get? I started out with a Chinese-made Baofeng UV-5R, and I still use these radios today. I think I have four of them. I do have a more expensive radio, a little Yaesu VX6R, I think. 
the SAR team I volunteer on, we all use Baofeng radios for our events, although we don't use the ham radio frequencies. We use different frequencies. Ham radio is going to be like any other thing that you get into. You'll probably end up owning more than one radio. But the Baofengs gives you a cheap way to enter into the realm of ham radio. The Baofeng, the little UV5R, will run you somewhere between, uh, say, $25 and $40, depending on any sales that are happening at the time. These Baofeng radios are like any other radio in that you can buy all types of of, uh, accessories, such as lapel mics and covers and batteries and so on. There are a couple accessories I would suggest. One is buying the larger extended battery. I've operated like three days on one battery charge on these larger larger batteries. But keep in mind, it doesn't take much battery to listen. The battery drain comes from transmitting, and that is what makes it perfect for hiking. Throw that radio in your pack, leave it off until you need it, and be sure to protect your radio from the elements just like any other gear, and you're good to go. Another upgrade that most people make is the antenna. Antennas make a difference in transmitting and receiving. So at some point, most people will upgrade from the original rubber duck style antenna to uh, something that's a little higher quality. But you can typically do this for like 20 bucks or less. So if you're unfamiliar with ham radio, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, how's that going to help me while I'm hiking? Well, there is no issue in the woods when trouble hits if you have cell phone coverage right? Just dial 911. But what are your options if you do not have this cell coverage? That is when ham radio could be an option. And I do say could because nothing is 100%. There are other options such as um, the spot unit or inReach or other uh, PBLs, personal location beacons. But these typically are more expensive than basic uh, radio, basic ham radio and often require monthly subscriptions or at least a use subscription if you're going to go out on a hike. Uh, There are other features in some of these devices, such as texting, and and that could be uh, something that is valuable to you as well. But the power of ham radio comes when you are in connection with the local repeater system. As you get into ham radio, you may listen to some of these repeaters, and although you may not hear talk on the repeaters 24-7, if you can connect to a repeater and give out a break break or this is an emergency, someone most likely will respond unless maybe, of course, it's in the middle of the night. This term that we use, this repeater, so what is it? Repeaters are typically private-owned antenna towers and repeater systems that are, in, that are installed at that site. Radios communicate by line of sight. Repeaters are almost always located in higher elevation uh, locations for the area that you're in. It is this height that helps us communicate while hiking. If you're talking radio to radio and you have a hill between the radios, you will not be able to make a connection. But with these repeaters, which are located on higher elevations, you will actually be connecting with the repeater. And then that repeater tower will then send your communication out where the other person on the other side of the hill can then pick up your communication. With repeaters, you listen on one frequency and you transmit on another. This allows the repeater and other radios to communicate effectively. There will be some programming of whatever radio that you buy, 
to get into these repeaters, but it's it's not that difficult at all. We all see these advertisements for the walkie-talkies in sporting stores that states uh, 23 miles, 32-mile distance. Then in the fine print, it states under ideal conditions. That ideal condition is two people standing on hilltops with clear line of sight towards one another. In a wooded environment, this distance is most often no more than, I'd say at best, a mile. Most of the time, it's a quarter of a mile or less. So that is the power of ham radio, being able to hit these repeaters in your area and being able to communicate when cell phone is down. So now, obviously, you're asking, are these repeaters in my location? There is a very good chance they are. And the vast majority of these are 100% free to use. There are some private repeaters throughout the U.S., but most are free, and not only free, but the owner of the repeaters uh, encourages the use of it. You can go to a site called repeaterbook.com and look up your state. I will add a link in the blog that goes along with this podcast on our website, naturereliance.org, and you will be able to view the data for yourself in your area. But for example, Kentucky has 260 repeaters in that database spread throughout the state. Tennessee has 422 listed. Colorado is showing 393. Montana, 143. And Florida is showing 379, just to give you an example of some of the states. There'll be a few in this list that are not working, but those are designated within that list, and you'll know that they are not working. Within this site, you can search on your city or the city near your hiking area. You go in and get those refrequencies, you program them into your radio, and you're set. I think the Baofeng has something like 125 channels, so that's a lot. You'll be able to program as much as you need in those radios. Well, I hope I'm selling you on the issue of getting your ham radio license, but the one thing that always is a stumbling block for people is this test. So how do you study and pass the test? There's a few ways to go about study. First way is to locate a local ham radio club. You can attend the meetings, get to know people, and they'll help you out. Often these clubs will have training sessions just for that upcoming exam. Another way is you can purchase books. You can purchase books that will instruct you just on the exam with detailed explanation about the question and answer so you can dig into it or you can buy a book just on the topic of ham radio read and read and study that another way is you can get a free app yep there's an app for that you can get a free app that provides you with a complete pool of questions you can take a practice exam over and over until you either understand the question and answer or you memorize the question and answer And then, of course, YouTube has a channel out there, actually several channels that specifically deal with uh, ham radio. I did the app approach. I started out, and I knew exactly zero about ham radio. Didn't know of anyone who uh, was a ham. Did not know that there were even ham radio clubs. I got the app and took the technician exam over and over until I basically memorized the exam. Took me probably a month, I think, probably about an hour a day, maybe a little less. I took the exam, passed, and then I set out to learn about ham radio. I made some friends that were hams and uh, picked their brains 
and I was off and running. It really is that simple. In hiking, we like to pack items with multiple uses, right? Here are some other uses for ham radio. Most every repeater will have what's called a net. A net or net check-in is typically a weekly designated time that hams in the area can check in and test their equipment, make sure everything's working. This is a great way to learn. I started out just listening to the nets for a couple of weeks. I had what was called mic fright. I was afraid to push the push the talk button on my mic. After gaining some insight on how the nets work, I started checking in whenever possible, and I still do to this day. Within my rural area, and I do live in a rural area, there are four nets each week from three different repeaters, and probably another net starting up soon. The important thing about these nets are when emergencies arise, say maybe a nasty storm coming your way, um, if you're in an earthquake-prone area, massive uh, fires, down south it would be hurricanes, whatever it is in your area, the repeaters will operate a net to address these issues. Here's a great example. When Gatlinburg, Tennessee was on fire a few years ago, I think that what was that, 2016 maybe or 2017, the local club operated an ongoing net in which hams in the area could check in for details. Now, these details uh, came from authorities like state police and city officials, of course, but they also collected data from other hams eyewitness accounts. I listened to some of these recordings of the net, and hams in the area could call in and inquire about road conditions and traffic blocks. As a ham, when I travel, I search the repeaters in the given area and make sure I have those programmed in my radio. If trouble arises, I can check in and maybe gain some additional information of what's going on. In Florida and other states, there are hams in the area that work in unison with local authorities to help disaster personnel in their efforts. When cellular towers going down and overloading during emergency, ham radio continues to work. I know when Katrina hit uh, New Orleans several years ago, the first couple of days ham radio carried the communication traffic for emergency personnel because public towers were demolished uh, with the storm, including local police and EMS towers. Uh, after the storm passed of Katrina, all the ham operators raised their antennas back up if they still had a, a means to do so and operated off of solar batteries and away they went. They took their mobile units to uh, police stations and emergency operations like hospitals, and they helped communicate until authorities were able to reestablish the system. Here's another way, and I see this all the time. If you're traveling in a group of cars, maybe on, maybe going to vacation, people buy these little walkie-talkies and they try to communicate, and they don't do real well unless you're just almost bumper to bumper, mainly because they operate on just five watts or less, actually. And they only have that little rubber ducky antenna. Now, my mobile unit can operate up to 50 watts with an external antenna. And I can at times communicate as far as 25 miles away. One issue with these little walkie-talkies that you buy, you cannot alter the antenna. That is set by the FCC regulations. Even within a handheld ham radio, I can connect to a mag mount antenna on the roof of my truck and extend my communications greatly over just a walkie-talkie type. In fact, that is how I operated for probably a year or longer. 
Well, I'm sure you're going to have all kinds of questions, but I hope this helped a little bit. I hope you give some consideration to getting your license and utilizing ham radio capability while hiking and even in your daily life. It's a great resource to have and it's cheap to do. If you do have questions, please send um, Craig and I a message and we'll do our best to help you out. I will have some of those links in the blog that will help direct you towards more information. Craig and I greatly appreciate your support. Please view our sponsors and consider purchasing from them. Nature Reliance School has negotiated some discounts for our listeners, so take advantage of it. Also consider direct support. You can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. Just go to our Anchor page and sign up. Before closing out, I will leave you with one last hiking rescue where ham radio played a role. And the report goes like this. While Bill of Boulder, Colorado and his wife Mary were hiking in the backcountry, they encountered a team of paramedics rendering aid to a 67-year-old man, Michael, who had lost his footing while crossing a stream. Michael had struck his head on a boulder and was found unconscious while face down in the water by a good Samaritan who pulled him to safety. The paramedics, who had been heading to a youth camp, also had stumbled onto the scene and was rendering aid. With no phone coverage available, Bill put out a distress call on his handheld transceiver that he always takes along with him on his hikes. Promptly answering his call on the statewide Colorado Connection repeater system was Ryan in Colorado Springs. Now, gang, that's probably at least 90 miles away. Ryan contacted the Boulder County Sheriff's Office. The authorities quickly turned to Scott, a Sheriff's Department radio specialist and 30-year veteran of the Rocky Mountain Rescue Team. He was able to contact Bill via the repeater network and the two coordinated equipment and rescue personnel. Rescue teams arrived on the scene with due course, and Bill was evacuated from the scene. Well, that's it, gang. If you have any questions, be sure and pass them along to Craig and I. But as always, with Nature Reliance School, come on, join in, and let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blinds School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.